a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Goes Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Matt and Liz. And we are here celebrating the fifth anniversary of Star Wars The Last Jedi, a film by Ryan Johnson, who coincidentally, off the air, we were just talking about his latest film, Glass Onion. So it is um, it is coincidentally we're doing that. We did not plan on having Ryan Johnson talk, but here we are. Um, <laughs> I think it says a lot about Star Wars that it only has, in very, very few instances, has Star Wars hired an auteur-type person to come in and sort of take over the shape of a Star Wars film in a way that isn't just kind of playing with the action figures. And I think of all the people who have done it, Ryan Johnson has done it the most extremely. The Last Jedi feels very dissimilar from other Star Wars films in some ways, and that is why some folks don't like it. But... um, before we get too deep into this, what do you, what do you guys what are your like your like overall big picture thoughts of the Last Jedi? Matt, let's start with you. I rewatching it, I remembered how much I really do like it, um, but it it unfortunately just because they went in such a hard direction after it, so much of it is just weird stories that never get resolved things that get covered over it's very it's great to watch in a vacuum but i feel sadly that it feels very disjointed from everything else going on around it through purposeful moves honestly but excellent film um i really appreciated it so much more watching it now having consumed i mean since five years ago a ton of other star wars material yes. on screen yes um because before it was like some terrible movies versus even worse books <laughs> and like okay there that's fine but it was like we've seen so much the medium of star wars on screen give us so much this felt like very much top shelf of that medium mm-hmm. liz what did you think of the movie yeah, and I I still like The Last Jedi, and I think um, that summed up a lot of my thoughts as well. I think Ryan Johnson did a good job of trying to push this story forward in an interesting way. Um, and, you know, obviously this was the second movie in the trilogy, so there were still questions that had to be answered. And I think, you know, after seeing this movie before the final movie in the trilogy it was you know we had a lot of questions and it was interesting to think about where they might go um i i was going to try to watch rise of skywalker after this it's been so long since i've seen it it's not a movie i've had the desire to rewatch. um but again I, i think a lot of these interesting um tidbits uh kind of again you know fall flat because of where the story went now, I should say to our listeners, we're actually going to be doing three – well, not we. I'm going to be doing three episodes about this movie. I, I have a friend, the founder of Multiversity Comics, Matthew Malikoff, who does not like The Last Jedi. So he and I are going to have a conversation about his problems with The Last Jedi. And then I'm working on getting uh, a guest 
that I'm not going to announce in case it falls through. Let's talk about their thoughts on the movie as well. Um, so we're doing lots of Last Jedi talks. If you're one of those folks who doesn't like The Last Jedi, maybe come back in January <laughs> because yeah. uh, we got some thoughts on it. But I, I, I'm with you guys. I think it is my second favorite Star Wars movie behind Empire Strikes Back. I think that visually it is the best looking Star Wars movie. There's a couple of scenes in particular that are just, you know, like over the top beautiful compared to what we get normally in Star Wars films. I think it has the most nuance of any Star Wars movie and it has three or four moments in it that as an audience member watching it for the first time, there are some very serious I don't want to say repercussions, but you just, the entire movie can change 180 degrees in like three or four places. And that normally doesn't happen in a movie like this. There usually aren't so many moments that feel like if somebody makes a different choice, their entire world changes. But that happens so many times in this movie. And I think that's a real testament to how Johnson wrote it and just made every decision every moment feel big and feel important even when they're not necessarily big important um like universe changing actions for the characters each of these decisions matters quite a bit mm-hmm. um so yeah. let let let's sort of take the film a little bit in chronological order when talking about it you know begins with um this sort of you know, dogfight in space where Poe Dameron is taunting General Hux, and <laughs> I didn't know we called them General Hugs until yeah. this rewatch. Uh, yes. so good. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's also like it's. I, I think when people think about this movie, they think about how dark it is. There's a lot of very funny stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the General Fair. Hugs thing is funny. The way that Luke kind of messes with Ray when she reaches out to feel the force and he like yeah. puts a sapling between her fingers or whatever like the, <laughs> do you feel it <laughs> yeah <laughs> there, there is a fair amount of humor here um but that but that it that scene is like a perfect encapsulation of the film because even though it begins in a very silly way we see we see a character not understand exactly what their role is and that is sort of, to me, the big theme of the movie is the first, you know, the the Force Awakens is the first one, right? Yes, I, I always want to say the Rise of Skywalker when I mean the Force Awakens or vice versa. Um, the Force Awakens is about introducing us to this new set of characters. The Last Jedi is about those characters figuring out who they really are. And then the third movie drops the ball. But we'll talk about the third movie in a, t- in, in a different time. <laughs> in two time. years. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, so here, so Poe thinks that the most important thing in this moment is to take out the Dreadnought. And he loses, like, half of his, um, ha- half of his, you know, force doing this one action. And throughout the movie, we see Poe just, you know, thinking that he's already a leader and not realizing that he has to learn to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's talk about Poe first. Yeah. Um, Poe's kind of an asshole in this movie. Uh, yeah. He is. Yeah. Well, I think the, the movie is watching people go through the very real moment of realizing they don't know shit. 
Yep. And despite the fact that Poe has a number of moments where he can realize that, he doesn't until the very, very, very end with Holdo. Mm -hmm. So I think that we see the first opportunity for him to realize he doesn't know shit with him and Leia, but he uh, he blazes right by that and yeah. just continues to be an asshole until nearly the very end. Yeah. Liz, what do you think about Poe's arc in this movie? Yeah, I, I like it a lot, and I like what both of you said. And I, I like, too, that I think, you know, we missed out on a lot of time with these characters that we've known for so many years, like Leia, and we get to see her as a general here, and we get to see her as a teacher with Poe. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like a frustrating situation because he is kind of an asshole, but he, but she sticks, you know, with him and is willing to teach him these lessons. And by the end of the movie, we see her say, I forget exactly what she says, but she's like, don't look at me, you know, look at him. Cause right. it seems like he's figured out what he finally needs to do. So I see, I feel like we see, you know, his growth throughout um, this movie, but we also get to see her as sort of like a teacher mentor, which we maybe missed out on a bit in that third movie because unfortunately Carrie Fisher died. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's one of the things I think you, you can't like not talk about that, which is that the first movie is the Han movie, the second movie is the Luke movie, and the third movie was supposed to be the Leia movie. Yeah, so um, yeah, I feel like at least we get to see a little bit of that with her and Poe, how he's kind of a jerk. Um, but, you know, he has a sense of humor. She has a sense of humor about it. Um, so I, I like that dynamic here. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Leia here. You know, one of the things that is is so unfortunate is that Leia is off camera for most of this movie. You know, she's in the beginning and then she's in the end. But she is, like, you know, in a coma for a good chunk of the movie and I'm sure if everybody realized this would be her last Star Wars movie, that would be a very, very different thing. Mm -hmm. However, when we see Leia here, I think there's a couple of really important things that the script does and that Ryan Johnson does in, 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 able, in ways that give us more information about Leia as a leader than maybe we've ever had before like you know she's she's an important part of the rebellion from the minute we meet her in a new hope but we never really see her lead until here we see mm -hmm. the type of leader she is you know she gives her the people under her enough rope to hang themselves with even even with poe like you know she lets poe do a lot more than a lot of leaders would probably lead uh, let him <laughs> do um and I think it, it, it shows you why people are so loyal to Leia because they see that she really does care about them and she really is not trying to rule with an iron fist but rule as a, as a collaborator with these people. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really important for her character. Yeah, I it, watching it again, the just the visual of her on um crate is that what the the yes. salt planet yes. is her um looking out onto the salt fields um is just an amazing moment just her you know strength her ability that she is what's holding this all together their fearlessness it just 
like a chills moment. I I loved that we got that scene from her uh, because we wouldn't get that next movie. So it's a fleeting moment as well. Yes. Yes. Liz, any later yeah. thoughts? Um, I, I, I think what you said was great. And also I just maybe to add on to it, it, it seems like everyone does trust her and looks to her to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Holdo, you know, quotes Leia, um, I, you know, Poe maybe doesn't always listen to her, but, you know, but he is going to listen to her ultimately. Um, and you just get the feeling that everyone knows she's in charge, um, that she engenders that sort of trust, um, that she is the leader here. Yeah. And this movie sees so much of the rebellion, or I guess now they're called the resistance, so much of the resistance wiped out, you know, in, in basically one fell swoop. And we're we're given this this idea that even though and this is kind of always the idea is that you know with the Empire, the Empire was always so much bigger than the rebellion, and here the first order is so much bigger than the resistance. And yet Leia's leadership here, even though things seem dire, they they never feel like they're out of her control. Like the people don't run amok around her because they respect her and her leadership enough to 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 listen to her when she says, you know, relax, calm down, everything's going to be okay. She really can engender that from her from her subordinates and that's I think that's really important to see just how how like I said, how effective of a leader she is. Um also, in this uh, initial sort of sequence, we see Finn wake up from his injuries sustained at the end of The Force Awakens. And um, Finn is probably the character the people who don't like this movie have the most problem with how how he is used here. Uh, what do you folks think about Finn in this movie? Good question. <laughs> I... What originally I, I was not a fan of it, um, but rewatching it with, I guess, a new perspective, um, I really liked seeing his growth as a character and seeing that he did not grow in any way through the first film. He uh, is just kind of a coward looking for the place where he won't get killed. Um, and he continues to run and it's not until he is has has his eyes opened by Rose that he really finds himself. And this is where he does become a rebel. His not knowing shit moment is realizing what it means to actually um, fight for something. And in the end, realizing what it means to protect something mm-hmm. um, with his him and Rose's last moment of her stopping his self-sacrifice and i forgot they kissed because we just ignore that moving on huh yeah we do i mean yeah. I, I the kiss kind of bugged me in the moment because it's so clear that finn and poe are a couple that <laughs> <laughs> like there, that there's no reason to, to bring someone else into that into that love triangle there yeah um I- go ahead liz yeah, I had kind of forgotten that the whole reason 
Finn wanted to leave was because he wanted to lure Ray away. He didn't want Ray to return to the ship because they were in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I, I had kind of forgotten that all of this was because of how much he cared for Ray. Um, and then, you know, eventually they were reunited, uh, Finn and Ray at the end of the movie, which I had kind of forgotten. Um, that was the impetus behind, uh, this whole excursion, um, when they got sidetracked. Um, and I, I feel like watching the movie this time after five years, after having seen it multiple times, it was easier maybe to parse out certain scenes, certain situations, um and again i think maybe if finn's story had taken a different turn in the last movie of the trilogy maybe it would have seemed a little better but again watching this time i i I liked his story with rose here generally as they went off um i i think there were meaningful parts to it and what i thought was interesting too when they're on crate at the end when Finn is seemingly willing to risk, you know, his life. And it seems really foolhardedly that he's going to die and maybe not even be able to destroy um, that. What I don't even know what that was, a bomber. It, uh, it, they, they call it like miniaturized Death Star tech. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that kind of was, you know, the lesson Poe had to learn earlier on. Um, and it seems like, you know, Rose is trying to teach him that lesson here at the end. I think yeah. of what what gets hardest to parse out what the dislike for maybe Finn or Rose's story is versus the dislike of some of the overall mechanics of the movie mm. I, in, in, the, in the sense where it, it's a lot like people's concern with the last season of Game of Thrones logistically, or as we were talking about before the podcast, John Wick in some ways, there's things that just don't make sense. Like how they move from place to place at times, how things are happening simultaneously, how there's 18 hours going past, but Ray and Luke seem to have a lot of time together. So let me address that right now. It's never said... But you got to realize the Force Awakens ends with Luke and Rey meeting. Mm-hmm. And we see that moment again in the beginning of this movie. And so I think that the Luke and Rey stuff is happening over a longer period of time than the rest of the stuff is. Okay. And I, I read a really pedantic thing, which I kind of liked, which was that depending on where the planets are in relation to a sun, days would be longer or shorter. <laughs> And true, so true. even if it's technically they're all it all takes place in five days or whatever it is, depending on where you are, five days could mean very different things. Because there is the other and this is the part, too, that I think is not going to be resolved until Disney is going to retouch these series. We need something like the Clone Wars to explain how the hell we get from Force Awakens to Rise of Skywalker. We right. see the First Order, yes, annihilate a solar system, which is wild. And then we see them suffer a major defeat in their big planet-destroying thing getting blown up. And then they somehow take over 
the galaxy, which as we know is hundreds of thousands of planets. And they didn't have decades of work. I guess they did, but decades of work in the outer reaches, but they didn't, you know, solidify political power um, in the same way the empire did. They didn't use the existing power. It's very confusing as to how we get from A to B. Mm -hmm. It feels like we're just like, hey, the empire is here again and they're worse. Right. Which is not a satisfying answer. It just feels like there's a lot of these leaps of faith we need to take and just put aside logistics with it. Um, And it's very, that part becomes confusing too, where you're like, wait, am I supposed to, is this, has this been around forever? Is this something new? Am I supposed to know this? I don't know. So here is is the one bit of maybe guidance I would give in regards of thinking about the First Order, because I've thought a lot about this. And I think, and this is me just, I think, that the idea is more that instead of it being that the First Order has taken over the galaxy... I think it's that the First Order has destroyed the central government of the galaxy. And so everyone is kind of on their own living in fear of the First Order. And so I'm sure there are planets and systems that the First Order has taken over. But I Mm -hmm. think more than that, it's not about taking over. It's about just wiping out what was there. Okay. Because I – yeah, because it just – the and the idea like in the first one they talked about how like the resistance was a small group within the republic who thought the first order was an issue but they were a small fringe group um but i guess that makes sense the destabilizing idea of it um makes much more sense because you, you don't need to have rebellion when you're outnumbering the bad guys literally thousands to one right it doesn't Right. Okay, that makes sense. The problem um, with with my explanation is that that's never really shown on screen. No. Like, and, it, and the 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 scroll keeps telling you it's like the first order is in charge now. How? Don't worry about it. Right. It's a bunch exactly. of Palpatines now. Don't yeah. worry about it. And I'm like, okay. Right. Exactly. And you know that is a very frustrating piece of the film, of the films in general. I think it's just their yeah. lack of. Like it, a little bit of dialogue goes a long way, and yeah. and do you know how many movies would kill for a scroll to establish things? <laughs> like it lets you it lets you establish whatever you want in the first minute of the movie. Mm-hmm. Why not use it to tell us these things? You know, the first order has destabilized the galaxy, and thousands of systems are living in fear. Yeah, one sentence done. Um, yeah, it just it just like the Maul and Kalmari by themselves should be able to wipe out the First Order. I don't right, right, right. You know, um, yeah. So along with Finn, we're gonna talk about Rose. But before we get to Rose in particular, I want to talk about the Canto Bite sequence. This is a sequence mm. that many people don't like, and and the the detractors to this movie, the ones who aren't just dipshits who don't like it because it has women and people of color in lead roles (laughs) of which there are many people who don't like that but leaving that aside for a moment here um they will point to canto bite as a waste of time in the film and i think that like you were saying matt there is 
there is this sense of Finn has to find himself as a rebel. And I think the way that you find out who you are is finding out who you're not in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. And I think him going to Canto Bight and seeing what he initially perceives as this amazing place, this place of opulence mm -hmm. and, um, you know, dedication to to wealth or whatever. Um, you know, all these things seem like a very naive person idea a very naive person's idea of happiness, mm -hmm. right? I'll have money and jewels and I'll watch these races and all this stuff. And Finn needs to see that that's not where he needs to be. And so I think that that is part of the cancel bite sequence. And I also just think it, it gives Finn and, and Rose something to do because really you don't need more characters sitting on that ship watching the first order get closer to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, I, I originally was one of those people who thought it detracted more than it added. But I think if you look at it from the idea of the character arc and it is literally the only sense that we ever get of the resistance gaining support mm -hmm. like th those little stable kids are the only people we ever really see get convinced other than felicity to um <laughs> join the rebels like I, so it it and it shows that kind of grassroots people who are under the thumb of the first order are have a connection and it's that connection that will be the kindling that the spark ignites right so yeah yeah it's also interesting i think it, it seems like the first time in any star wars movie that they bring up this idea that there are you know just people out there that are making money off of selling arms and then ultimately selling arms to both sides that it just mm -hmm. doesn't matter mm -hmm. to them these people have no affiliation either way their affiliation is to profit to money yeah to themselves yeah, which again I, I think finn has to see that that there are people who aren't in it for a cause yeah the mm -hmm. djs of the world <laughs> yeah um, i don't mean disc jockeys i mean the benicio del toro <laughs> character um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, again another another good character um the introduction of hacking is really cool um so if Maz Katana could have just flew over there, it would have saved him a lot of trouble. Yep, oh, exactly. And she gets to see, see her code breaker again. Yeah. I do like that uh, insinuation. Uh -huh. Oh, and BB-8 gets to shine, I feel, when he gets all those coins and he yes. gets to shine yes. right out. Oh, good yeah. times. Uh, he has about... a like, straight-up R2-D2 moment where he controls <laughs> the walker. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so the the like alien guy that puts the coins in BB-8... That mm -hmm. is Mark Hamill doing motion capture and the voice. Oh, <laughs> nice. I had forgotten about that scene. Yeah, that's super fun. Um, so let's and talk if about. You want to read a story about him? It's in the book, right? Yes, I, I believe I believe there is a story about him. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about Rose for a minute here. I mean, I think that Rose as a character is a really well defined one. Like, here is somebody who is a true believer in the rebellion even if she doesn't have a central 
stake in it. Like it's mm-hmm. easy for us to see why Poe cares about the rebellion. I keep saying the rebellion, the resistance. It's easy for us to see why Poe cares. It's easy to see why Leia cares. But Rose is not a central figure to this. But she's she's like the most true of the true believers that we've seen, um, you know, so far. And I think that because of that, she's able to show Finn what it really means. Liz, what do you think about mm-hmm. Rose? I I feel like, well, I was just going to say, I feel like it's hard not to like Rose, but that is false. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> see the internet for that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Ah. Uh, the internet. The third movie. Ay, ay, yeah. ay. Um, I, I feel like Rose is a character that is just innately good. I mean, I'm currently talking about Lord of the Flies, and there's a character, Simon is just innately good. And I feel like Rose is just a character that is just innately good. She knows what good is. That seems to be what drives her actions. And that seems to be how she lives her life here in this movie. Which I, I feel like is refreshing in some ways, um, I, which is why I, I like Rose. I, she's in some ways wiser to the ways of the world than some other characters, than Finn when they go to Canto Bite, but she's not jaded. Um, you know, she's aware of some of the evils out there. Um, like when those animals, what are they, like the Farthiers or whatever? Yeah, mm-hmm are, you know, being whipped and the lives that they have and the children there. Like, she knows about that. Um, But she's, you know, she's not cheated. She's still, um, seems to be generally a a happy person. Um, She she also has this way, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, Liz. She has has this way of seeing things for how they are. Mm, And, like, she calls Cancel Bite, she says, I want to punch this. Like she says something like beautiful, <laughs> ugly town or something. She she has yeah. a very nuanced approach to it that isn't I think some people would just say like this this terrible place, but she sees the beauty in it still, even if she disagrees with it. Mm-hmm. Like she has a very nuanced take on everything. Yeah, and I, I think people might think that she doesn't have a nuanced take, that she is um I don't know, not that kind of person but she does you're right mm-hmm. yeah I, you? I think a lot of it is very much like radical acceptance she sees this world the situation for what it is and sees what must be done like there's no question in her mind she didn't decide her and her sister didn't decide to be um part of the resistance they didn't decide to be rebels there's no other choice this is this world is unsustainable there's no way you can look at it and not want to fight. In her mind, it doesn't make any sense to feel any other way. Um, I, I like that. Very, very much um, another literary character that comes to mind is Faramir from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. It just There's a purity and a simplicity in the idea of this is what must be done. This is what will be done. Um, I love that about her. Yeah, and uh, I think we should also say that Kelly Marie Tran plays the role really, really well. Also, mm-hmm. um, for for a series of films that doesn't have a lot of good female characters, Rose is a really good female character that gets almost totally abandoned in the next film. So, I know. 
I, yeah. I still I still remember like right before or right after this movie was released and how excited Kelly Marie Tran was and I feel like someone like recognized her in public and she was just like so excited to be involved with Star Wars and then everything went to went yep. to shit which was real sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just, you know, people are terrible is what it comes down to. Um Yeah, I, I think that Rose is a character that I could actually see Rose having a TV series one day. Like, mm-hmm. I think that there's enough for this character out there to give her her own story and to do something with it that these filmmakers didn't get a chance to do. Ryan Johnson tried. Yeah. But, but... I, I'm trying to remember. I feel her, again, questionable whether the lego the lego specials are canon or (laughs) right right (laughs) but i believe in that her future story arc was pulling together the resistance cells into something more um formalized right is that i believe i remember that correctly but but i i'm again i forget how canon those are and i think i've only seen those one time a piece Mm mm-hmm so I'm not positive but she certainly is like among the leadership of the of the resistance now yeah, I, I see her very much in the same sort of role as, um, I don't know if Mon Mothma's overstating it, but she is someone who can bring people together. We see her able to cut through um, the bullshit and really just get things done in a way that we don't see a lot of characters. She's not, she doesn't have the um, doesn't know shit moment. She she knows it. She's lost. She's fought, and she will continue to fight and lose because that's what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. That that's a really good point about her her not having that moment of um of just you know disenchanted being disenchanted because she has such a clear view of how things are. Yeah, we see her sister die in the first five minutes of the film, and she still is unshakably. Um, there as one of the characters of resistance, stopping yeah. other people from running away. Right. Yeah. Um. So I I do want to talk about DJ now, just because we're sort of close off the Canto Bite section of the movie here. You know, Benicio del Toro makes some acting choices in this movie. <laughs> like he <laughs> um, you know his his stutter that he gives DJ is interesting and. I can understand maybe having some problem with the way he acts, but I actually really like his performance in this movie. I think it mm-hmm. I think it stands out in a good way. Um and and I think that there is something just so uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His character has a really really defined moral character that we shouldn't be shocked at the end when he betrays them because it's mm-hmm. so clear that that's just who he is. And I yeah. love, I, I, I want to specifically shout out the last thing that the last bit of dialogue that he has in the movie, which is that um, Finn says something to him, like you're wrong. You're going to pay or something. And he just goes, maybe. And walks away. <laughs> yeah. like, I love that. I think that's a real, I, I think, I think they, they did such a good job with this character and it's a character we will likely never ever see again. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, 
I believe I've said this on the podcast already about DJ, um, but I like that we have a what the universe likes to refer to as scoundrels, mm-hmm. who is actually scoundrelly and not just a good guy wearing a dirty coat, which is what we see in Han and what we see in Boba Fett. Um, it's nice to actually have somebody who is supposed to be morally ambiguous be morally ambiguous. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I think if he thought the rebels were going to have, or the rebellion or resistance uh, was going to have the upper hand, I think he would have sabotaged the Imperial fleet and helped them out and taken whatever money they had. Yep. So, yeah. Something that always, like, just, like, like, that always, always in the back of my mind a little bit, in the back of my brain that I can't shake, is that I, I feel like, according to Star Wars, Finn and Rose and BB-8 should have been able to get in touch with the master code breaker, the person they should have been able to get in touch with. Like they see him. I, I noticed in this, this time watching it, the woman that's with him notices them when they get captured and says something about it. Mm-hmm. And something in my brain makes it feel like they should have found him and they should have been successful like on their mission. And they weren't, which makes this, this part in Benicio del Toro's character, DJ, like just, I, I don't know, like stick out in my brain so much and I, I can't even define In a why. good way or a bad way? I, I don't know, to be honest with you. It just feels somehow wrong to me that they, they aren't successful in finding the person they're supposed to. Doesn't and that... I don't know why. Well, I mean, and every, I, time I, I watch, every time I watch the movie, I feel that way. It's so bizarre. I mean, in some ways, I think that's the intended effect. I, I, I think that yeah. I, I think you're supposed to see all of this you're supposed to, I mean, one of the most iconic lines in the film and in the trailer is Luke saying, this is not going to go the way you think it is. Yeah, and I, I mean, but everything else, like, I'm okay with. I like I like this movie. I like that in you know, some ways it subverts your expectations, but just that one little thing, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Is it just because you wanted some more hot Justin throw on screen? Perhaps. Perhaps that's what it is. I, I mean, forget it's Justin Thoreau. I, I want to know what Ma saw in him. I, maybe that's what it is. I mean, what's not to see in Justin Thoreau? I know. You are correct. Come on, folks. Come on. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, you know, it's. Um, I definitely understand that. I think one of the best parts about the DJ character is, again, DJ's entire character is in service of Finn and Finn realizing that he doesn't want to be DJ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's that's really good and important for the film to establish early on, is that Finn is not interested in being this wishy-washy character, which is what he is in the beginning of the film. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that he's he he's talking to Rose about you know he says may the force be with you to her as he's trying to escape, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you know so so to see to see him move past that into something that is really defined is a really is an is a nice moment um and again that wouldn't happen the same way without dj 
Um, mm-hmm. Even though, like, as somebody who who is a stutterer, I don't love his stuttering because it is it is kind of cartoony. But I, I'm not offended by it. It's fine. Whatever. Um, but yeah. Uh, all right. So be, before we get, I, I do. I'm saving two characters for last here, or th- I guess three characters for last. So let's talk about Admiral Holdo. Uh, the amazing Laura Dern plays Holdo, mm-hmm. and. I think some people don't like this character because their answer to her whole sort of thing is she should have let Finn, uh, not Finn, let Poe know what her plan was from the start. And I can kind of understand that, but this makes for such a better movie. (laughs) But also, he's such a shithead. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like, I, no, no, there's no way that that would have been better. She doesn't owe him anything. Right. Yeah, like, my issue is, again, it's a, am I supposed to know this person? Am I supposed to have done my, like, no, read a comic book, read a backstory. You're like, oh, shit, I didn't do enough homework I to come don't see think, this movie. I actually don't think any of that came out till after this movie, but I could be wrong. Uh, all right. Yeah. She then that's is... even weirder of a choice. <laughs> She is a major, major character in the Leia, Princess of Alderaan book, which mm-hmm. is an excellent book. That is one of the best Star Wars novels that there is. Um, Hence, we haven't read it because we only read terrible ones. That's not true. We try to read good ones. It doesn't it just doesn't work out that way <laughs> sometimes. Brotherhood was pretty good. Yeah, I'm excited to, to pick that up over Christmas break and uh, pull out there. We can talk about that next year. Uh, on the show and it, next year, far away. it does sound far away it's less than a month from when we're recording this so <laughs> and, and the most major holiday of the year is going to fall in between there so mm-hmm. um you know it is what it is but um yeah there is uh there's a lot in this there's a lot in the holdo character that you kind of have to maybe just go with like you were saying matt and maybe not knowing mm-hmm. exactly who they are, but I think it. One of the things I like about the Holdo character is that sometimes Star Wars makes you believe that everything in the fucking galaxy happens because of four people, mm-hmm. and so like the, the 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 Republic has been around for like thirty years by the time of the Force Awakens. There is going to be leadership there. There are going to yeah. be new people who you haven't met yet who are going to be these important characters. And so I think bringing in someone like Holdo just reminds you that th- that it's not just the Skywalkers who are doing this. Yeah. I, I mean, I also forgot that they killed Akbar. Yep. Um, oh, me too. There, Like, uh, like everybody that you know is dead. Now yep. it's the woman from Jurassic Park. You're like, all right. Yes. Um, I, I will just say, I I was reading the the IMDb trivia for this movie, and I love IMDb trivia is the best because no one really vets it. So some of it is actual <laughs> trivia, and some of it is just nonsense. Like uh, there's Snapple facts. <laughs> uh, well, th- th- there was one for a uh, what was it? Aaron and I watched a movie maybe six months ago, and the two characters in it were playing siblings. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It was I, <laughs> I was I was watching my friend Ken and I are doing this thing where we're watching movies starring different Beatles because all of them tried to act at different points. And it's hilarious. As we watched Paul McCartney's movie that he wrote and directed called Goodbye Regards to Broad Street, and it's horrible. But one of the pieces of trivia is that Paul McCartney was married to Linda McCartney, who was also in this movie. 
Yes, of course. They have the same last name. How is that trivia? That's it's not trivia. trivia. It's not it's trivia. Also, he, he also played in a band. Right, exactly. It's, just, it's not trivia. But um, but so I don't know if this was intentional or not in the IMDb trivia, but someone said that it's um, that Admiral Akbar is killed basically quote, quoting his most famous quote, which is he's killed in a trap. <laughs> so well that's the thing i can't believe it's not mentioned more right it's exactly trap. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um but yeah um but yeah holdo i think that holdo is she's both a very good leader and she is one of the most selfless people that we meet in this um both in terms of her staying behind to steer the ship and then her flying it through light speed through the uh through 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 the uh star destroyers like that's first of all that is one of the best visuals in all of star wars Uh, mm -hmm. and the way the sound cuts out for a minute there is really well well done um yeah so much so much that scene is just uh, amazing um yeah and and again if you think of it they would have had a resounding victory there had Finn and Rose not been sent off by Poe on some weird side mission where they brought back Shady McShadester. Mm-hmm. Every, it, again, if Holdo's plan just plan worked, they, everyone would have been fine. Yep. I mean, not that medical frigate guy, but, you know. No, <laughs> but but most of the people would have been fine. Yes, you're right about that. He's like, we don't have autopilot on these ships. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, just a good character. Yes. And, one and again, that... a, shame, a shame that if we want to see anything more, we have to have a, uh, a back series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be yeah. fair, like it, it, I think we're also just we're Star Wars pilled in the way that we expect everyone to have these long stories. Whereas, like we were talking about John Wick before this, like there's a million interesting characters in John Wick that are in it for five seconds, and that's it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, we don't. Not everybody necessarily needs like all this time, but we're just we're just accustomed to it yeah. because of you. Uh, you haven't seen the parts like, oh, you have a blood oath with me. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. It. Uh. Yeah. You're right. We are. We we want the canto bitization of every character. We need a short story novel about the kid with the broom. Right. We need. Uh. Does she give him the ring? I guess. Yeah. I guess so. Yes. Also, it seems like the worst like si- secret signet ring. Like it clearly is a giant rebel symbol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like <laughs> it's like a decoder ring. Yeah, essentially, it, it's a very ostentatious piece of jewelry. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Ray for a minute. So I, I think that Ray, Luke, and Kylo Ren kind of had to be lumped together here at the end. Mm-hmm. But I think that Ray, for Ray, goes through, in some ways, the most change from beginning to end, but in some ways the least amount of change. Like, I think that Rey fundamentally doesn't change or grow all that much. When she gets to Octu, she's going there to train to be a Jedi to try to help the Resistance. 
And at the end of the movie, she's a Jedi who helps the Resistance. Like, the process of getting there doesn't go the way she thinks it's going to, as Luke says to us. But I think that ultimately, Rey's path is a pretty straight one in this movie. Yeah, we see her attempt to find strength within herself. She sees that strength falter and then picks back up again at the end, which is kind of what you do in a middle part of a trilogy. Um, so, that, yeah, her her arc follows very much, I guess, the arc of the resistance where we see victory, defeat and moving back into climbing her way up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, I something that struck me this time, which I, I'm sure I noticed other times, but is how I, I don't maybe how angry Ray is in some ways when when she speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think she like both of you said, Ray doesn't change that much, but perhaps what changes for her is or what she's trying to figure out or decipher in this movie is information about other people. She has a certain opinion of Kylo Ren or Ben, as she calls him sometimes, and what she thinks he thinks or he's feeling. And then she's trying to feel out Luke as well. Um, So that seems to be maybe some of her growth or discovery in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, yeah. Well, it feels like she was sent on a mission, but doesn't really understand why she's there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost like, <laughs> uh, in a perverse way, and uh, I, I don't know Matt's exact level of knowledge with this. I know Liz will get what I'm saying here. It's almost <laughs> like she's Homer Simpson in the Stonecutters, where like <laughs> they notice they the do. they they notice the birthmark, and now he's special. They notice her force powers and just say, like, oh, well, you have to be a Jedi now. Yeah. And it's like force her into this thing that she doesn't really know what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like no one's really willing. Like, no, like, I don't know. People are willing to help her out, but not help her out. And then she's like dead set on helping out Kylo Ren or Ben Solo. But like he doesn't want to be helped and no one else wants to help him. Mm-hmm. And then Luke doesn't want to help her, but she wants his help. And she wants his help for the resistance. So she's kind of like floundering in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, once again, we see real, becoming a Jedi takes about four weeks. <laughs> the year it takes years of indoctrination to get them brainwashed into being a Jedi Knight, but learning how to use the Force only takes about four weeks. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, I. I there's a lot in this movie with Ray that I that I really enjoy. One of the things that is that I, that I find really compelling is, and and maybe this is just me getting older watching it. After she has her moment in the cave, where she sees like all the versions of herself and all of that sort of thing, when she's sitting by the fire and just. She, she's talking to Ben and she's clearly heartbroken. She looks like a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's this really interesting choice because we have always seen that the Jedi go after little kids. But she's not a little kid. 
And then you, I was asking myself this question, like, well, is she, is she actually, like, does does trying to be a Jedi infantilize you? Is that part of Luke's problem here? Is it that the Jedi must die because becoming a Jedi is not good for you? It, it makes you into yeah. a, you know, like it, it, it changes who you fundamentally are in bad ways. Yeah, it very, it very much is a um, like a, a cult mentality. Um, you give up on your, you know, parents, your family, your connections, um, and Ray doesn't know if she's ready to make that choice. She wants to know who her parents are. She wants to be loved by someone. Um, so does um, uh, Ben, because he feels that he didn't have that with his parents, um, and which makes them both really susceptible to this type of indoctrination. And Luke having done that to others like we we see obviously he's not connected to this directly but like we see him force grogu to make that choice mm -hmm. um because that's what he was taught he still is carrying those old jedi traditions um that he only is willing to break at the very end um because yeah i think i think it, part of the rejection of the jedi order and the jedi way of things is that you know rejection of detachment rejection of personal weakness for outward strength yeah yeah um so i think that ray is actually like a really incredibly nuanced character in this movie even if not a ton happens to her in terms of you know life changing ideological changing things she just basically gets disappointed this movie is all about her disappointment yeah there, there's a lot of don't meet your heroes moments in this yes movie yes yeah um, liz any any other ray thoughts um i don't think so i had something and then i lost it oh. the one thing i no. did want to say too about this is that i actually think that this movie in a lot of ways pairs very well with andor in that I think that Andor is all about radical indoctrination and mm -hmm. this movie shows like both sides. It definitely shows, you know, Kylo Ren has been radically indoctrinated and so has Luke and it hasn't gone that well for either of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually think that these movies kind of, I mean, this show pairs well with, uh, mm -hmm. with Andor because of that. And, and we see that difference of Finn's realization is he's opening his eyes to what's going on around him as opposed to trying to narrow himself to fit into a specific mold. Right. Yes. And again, that that is the DJ aspect here, right? Like, mm -hmm. don't. Don't do that. Don't don't go into that mold. Yeah. You're allowed to uh, you're allowed to not do that. So yeah, uh, certainly a, an interesting. I think that Ray is a very interesting character for that way, even if there's not a ton of change there. Um, I want to talk about Kylo Ren next, and um, I think that 
when Adam Driver was cast, all I knew Adam Driver from was Girls. <laughs> and that's a very, very different role than his Kylo Ren role here. In um, a specific scene in a kitchen? Uh, uh, there, there's a couple of those, yes. Um, <laughs> Which one? Yeah. <laughs> but, but specifically, I think that he does such an amazing job in this movie of being conflicted and mm-hmm. of not really knowing what he wants out of life. And that's, that's, I mean, isn't that kind of all of us? <laughs> like, yeah. aren't, aren't we all just struggling through life to figure out what what it is we're supposed to be doing here? I, I think he just, he does such a great job of humanizing this character that could very easily have become a caricature. Mm-hmm. I, I found myself thinking this time watching The Last Jedi, what would it have been like if Adam Driver was cast as Anakin Skywalker? Oh, wow. Instead That's... of hating Christensen. He emotes a lot, but it's it's much better emoting. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's just such a good actor. Yeah, he really is. Um, I think that the scene in the throne room is one of the best scenes in any Star Wars movie. Both the parts with Snoke and then the battle afterwards. It's the most brutal battle we've ever seen in Star Wars. Like it mm. is both of them are fucking angry mm-hmm. and are are really very dangerous in what they're doing. Um but it works. It works really well. And mm-hmm. the part at the end where he says, you know, you, you have to throw the past away, that's such an important part of this movie. But when he tells Ray that she's nothing but not to him, mm. it's it's mm-hmm. really effective. It it Every time, and I feel like this time more so, it feels like, so manipulative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So manipulative. <laughs> yeah. Well, because we, we see Snoke doing the same exact thing to him. To discard, but then roll back. Like, it's... I don't know. Again, none of that makes any sense if you're... He's just a puppet of Palpatine, but whatever. Um... But yeah, that he because all he knows is these abusive relationships. So him gaslighting the fuck out of her makes, makes sense. perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a that's a that's a that's a tough scene in a it lot is. of ways too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. When you guys first saw the movie. Did you think there was a chance that Ben was actually going to turn to the light when he kills Snoke? Yes. I, yeah, I feel like I thought there was. I hoped there was. I felt like that's what they were leading towards, where he he makes the decision to kill Han. And in that attempt to purge himself of his humanity. But when it comes to killing Leia, he he can't. And I thought that hesitation and then his connection with Ray was going to bring him into something lighter. I don't know. I don't know if like, you know, light side hero, but to see him um, join the good side, I thought. 
Yeah, and you know, it was something Ray wanted so much. And it, it and there's so many parallels, obviously, between Ben and Ray. And even they're both angry, but they're both angry in different ways. And they both want similar things, but similar things in different ways. Um, and it just seemed like her her faith, her belief in him was so strong. I I wanted I wanted it too. Yeah, or I, at least I thought. Again, they marketed it the way I thought. She, she was going to go off with him and become his apprentice and whatever that ended up being, we would see in the next film. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is not what happened. No, because again, this isn't going to go the way you think it's going to go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which is just like, such an, such a, I love it when a movie has a line in it that just, is everything that tells you everything you need to know, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is what that line is mm-hmm. in that movie. Um, just fantastic stuff. And that saves Luke for last. Uh, I think many of the people that don't like this movie have a real problem with how Luke was portrayed in this movie. And to me, I understand that he is not, who maybe we had hoped Luke would grow into when we were kids watching these movies. But I think at the end of the film, Luke, Luke is like, he's just, he's the best. I mean, there, there is to me, the way that he saves the galaxy is so ingenious and heroic and beautiful and poetic. Like I, I just, I can't get enough of that last of that last scene with him and, and Kylo Ren. I think mm-hmm. it's just incredible. Um, but I know not everyone agrees with me. So what did you guys think of Luke in this movie? Again, from the five years later perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I never I, I never really had an issue with the portrayal of Luke in this movie. And I I was kind of surprised when people did. And I, I don't know what I expected. It had been so long since we had seen Luke, obviously. And I, you know, characters change. Our life events change us. And based on the story that was told here in The Last Jedi, it, it seemed reasonable that Luke Skywalker was the character he was in this in this movie. And I mean, he was still recognizable. He was still the character that I I loved. Um, he, he like we mentioned, he could still joke around. I, I felt like you know there was still a lot to love about him. And I, I think the fact that his life was the way it was came from a place of love, ultimately. Um, that's why he shut himself off from everyone from the force. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brian, like you said, you know, I think that end scene was great. We did get to see Luke, you know, in some ways at the height of his power, you know, force projecting himself like that. I, I thought it was a wonderful end. Um, you know, he saved what was left of the rebellion, mm-hmm. gave him a chance to escape. That was his plan. Um, I like that he he did get to say goodbye to Leia, um, mm-hmm. since you know that's kind of the chance they had as well. 
Yeah, yeah I, I, I always liked Luke in this movie. Um, and I, I think it's realistic. I mean, just over yeah. time, you know, Mark Hamill got older. Um, it's just sort of what we were with, you know, in 2015 also. Yeah. I, I also mm-hmm. think, you know, there's, um, again, talking about how great some of the dialogue is in this movie. There's a part where Luke says to uh, Ray, do you expect me to stand there with my laser sword and take out the entire uh, First Order? First order. <laughs> and that's what he does. Like, he, yep, he does right. that, yeah. you know? And uh, there's just there are so many moments like that throughout this film where you're just you're just getting things that are kind of tossed out there are not are are you know come come to fruition. And George Lucas and I, I say this all the time on the podcast. He says how Star Wars rhymes. You know things reflect mm-hmm. each other and all that. This movie is 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 fucking Shakespeare in that way because. You know, even when 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 Ray defines the Force, Luke says everything you just said is wrong, and then when Kylo Ren says this, and then he says everything you it's the exact same sentence. Like, you know, he uses the same logic against both of them, and I don't know how. I mean, I'm just look. I'm a crier. It's what I do, right? But like, I don't know how you can't watch him say, "I will not be the last Jedi," and you see the tears in his eyes, mm-hmm. and you don't have you don't feel something for that character in that moment. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh God, I love that scene so much. I I think yeah. it's 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 so great. Um, well, and like you, and like is... you've pointed out many times, it's he defeats Kylo Ren without violence. He yep. chooses not to fight in the same way that he bested the Emperor by not fighting. Yeah, it just is full circle. Yeah, and, and sorry, against, Carlos, go ahead. Against someone that isn't just i guess is he technically supreme leader now that isn't yeah. just the leader but someone that he is also related to yeah there's a great line of dialogue again i mean there's so many great lines of dialogue in this movie but um when luke first shows up on crate and sees kylo ren he says ben i'm sorry and kylo ren goes i bet you are and it's like it's just it is it's so perfect it's such a perfect shitty thing to say um you know. there's so many like teenager uh things like it, that exactly and, and i think that even i mean even the story of how luke basically you know went to kill kylo ren and then is ashamed that he ever did that. Like even that that adds so much nuance to the character. In, in the original trilogy, Luke is kind of a nothing character. He's kind mm-hmm. of a cipher. And you know, you know, again, he he takes up this rebellion because of an old man he's met a couple of times. And when that <laughs> old man dies, he has to be comforted by a woman who just lost her entire family and home planet. <laughs> like you know, like like he is he is not this incredibly strong character. No, but here he is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and that's um, it. yeah. But there, there is a story of a take on the universe, Luke Skywalker. We see a sliver of that in Mandalorian, um, and something I don't think I noticed the first watch through, um, but we see that in this movie as well, because the Luke Skywalker that lives on is the one that we read about in the um, Tales of Skywalker. It's the one that we see those kids play acting Mm -hmm. um, with the toys. 
Um, Luke Skywalker is a legend of someone who was able to stand up to evil and win. And maybe the only person that people recognize being able to stand up to evil and win. He simply represents what it means to be good. Not a Jedi, not the Jedi Order, but Luke Skywalker himself. Um, and seeing Luke from such a damaged um, viewpoint on Octu, but then seeing that vision of him and re- him stepping back into that role, I think is kind of beautiful. It's almost like they were trying to tell a story. <laughs> Maybe like storytelling something new for Star Wars. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. the last thing I want to say about um about Luke and 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 the the kids at the I mean I, I love that thing with the kids at the end. I mm-hmm. love that that kid is is force sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um but even even just just the idea of the storytelling behind it is really of, of just Luke becoming a story, right? I think that's mm-hmm. really important. But the thing that I don't think was handled at all in the Rise of Skywalker is that so we so at the end of this movie, Luke stands down, defeats the First Order, and now his story is a legend. But what happens right before then? Right before then, the Resistance sends out a message to all their allies, and no one comes. And what happens at the end of Rise of Skywalker? They send out a call to all the allies, and everyone shows up. The line should have been connected that the reason they showed up is because Luke restored hope at the end of The Last Jedi. That's mm-hmm. what happens between those two moments. Is Luke I don't know hope. if J.J. Abrams watched the middle movie. Um, <laughs> Very true. So. Very true. But it just it bums me out because that seems like such a good way to connect those things. Yeah, it's true. Because yeah, one man was able to stand up to them they can all stand up. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's also p- part of how a lot of rise of um, rise of Skywalker doesn't make a ton of sense because it doesn't follow that story arc. You're right. Right. And it, it to me, like <laughs> the whole point of a of a of the middle movie in a trilogy. The first movie has to introduce you to the concepts. The third movie has to tie everything into a neat little bow. The second movie is what lets you expand everything. And if you look at the end of that movie, every character has new motivation going forward. Poe realizes what it means to be a leader. Finn realizes what it means to be a rebel. Ray realizes what it means to be a Jedi. Leia realizes what it means to be starting from scratch all over again. Kylo Ren realizes that he doesn't know shit. Everybody has a real purpose for the next movie, and almost all of it is discarded. Well, when you have to spend so much of the movie unwriting the movie before it, right? you can't really fit as much storytelling. Yeah, it, it really bothers me. And I I am going the next time I watch the Rise of Skywalker and who knows when that will be maybe it'll be in two years for this, but I really do want to give it a try to not go in just like rolling my eyes so hard they fall out of my skull like I want to, <laughs> I want to try to appreciate it for what it is because there are parts of it that I'm sure are better than I remember 
or better than I would let myself remember. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, but but I, I I just don't know. I I think I've talked to Brian about this off the air, but a lot of times I find myself in my head getting confused what was on the screen versus what was in the script we read of yes. the, like, the preliminary script uh, because that script makes so much more sense. I forgot about that. Yeah. I <laughs> I seemingly have forgot about the movie and have supplanted it with the script in my mind because um, we see those story arcs continue in that script mm. in ways that we, we don't see in the film. Yeah. That's and- been a right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, what, what's hard about all of this, and, and I, I think you guys will agree with this, is that, you know, I don't want them to go back and remake The Rise of Skywalker. I don't want them to have to redo all of this. I don't think that makes for particularly good anything when you're constantly undoing the, the whole mm-hmm. the whole idea behind collaboration is like they say in improv like yes and right you take what someone does you say yes and then you add to it and the rise of skywalker doesn't do that but we're kind of forced to do that in our own heads with these movies and so i am looking forward to whatever the next tv show movie whatever it is that can take this and help to rehabilitate it in a mm-hmm. way like like the Clone Wars rehabilitated some of the prequel stuff for us. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just waiting for that. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it ever happens. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on this movie before we wrap up? Um, no. No, I think so. We, we talked for over an hour about it, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, we did. Um, There's got to be an easier way to catch a fish. <laughs> that's really that's really outlandish. Well, if, if, he, if he hadn't cut himself off from the force, there's yeah. lots of easy ways to catch a fish then. Oh, you, you know, know what? That's true. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> or to drink milk, Matt, but, you know. Yeah, he... I, there, there has never been a more aggressive milk drink <laughs> than that. It just... Uh... <laughs> eye contact <laughs> yeah <laughs> again uh, thank god for mark hamill mm-hmm. yeah he Just he really owns he really owns that scene <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh uh, yeah he he does he does not shy away from that at all and the crazy part about about him is he apparently did not like the script yeah you know, he, yeah. and I think part of that is because he had his own idea of who Luke was. Yeah, and, and and maybe he has since come around on it. I don't know, but you would if you just watched it, you would never know that he didn't yeah. like the script. It's true. I mean, he yeah. he didn't record his own lines like uh, what's his face is doing on Boba Fett. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> you know, just okay. he he lets he lets the film work the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing is, I I think that Mark Hamill a lot of times gets a bad rap as an actor. I don't think people give him enough credit for being as good of an actor as he as he is because he was not given much to do in Star Wars stuff beforehand, and so mm-hmm. it's just easy to think of him as being, you know, substandard or whatever. But then when you watch him in this, you see how how really excellent he is. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He's acting, you know, with Adam Driver. And I feel like a lot of times when you put a not great actor up with someone who is an excellent actor, it shows. But I, I, there's no I, I feel like it's great. You don't notice anything different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I really hope for Mark Hamill's sake that he eventually came to terms with this script, because I mm-hmm. think that ultimately this is his finest moment. Mm hmm. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. We're going to have a special holiday episode coming up uh, sooner than later. But I said, in between now and then, you're going to get a lot more of me talking about The Last Jedi with some special guests. So stay tuned for that. And uh, remember, until next time, the Force will be with you always. <laughs> <laughs>